Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mmm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. Clues. Underwear drawers. They're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because Those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort 
from the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. I have this rose. Okay. And I want you to know that I appreciate you being on this date with me, and I don't want this to be our last conversation about this. I want to push you. I want to ask more questions. I want to know so much more about you. I want to know, sincerely, about those demons. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And what a second episode we had tonight. Week one. Week one is where you always see the first dates. You're going to get your first one-on-ones. You're going to get your first group dates. You're going to get your first cocktail (laughs) parties. You're going to get your guys moving into the mansion, or in this case, a bunch of different bungalows, the nicest one going to the richest person. But they are all still required to meet in some kind of group room where they all have to sit on couches together. Despite the fact they all have their own rooms, they must still meet in this group room. I think I got to start us off with just a disclaimer. Clues and I have now diverged in this episode. (laughs) Let this episode of our podcast forever be known as The Divergence. The Divergence has happened. Last week, I feel like we were on the same page. Both of us were like, Claire and Dale Moss have been cybering for 10 years before night one. I am still in that camp. I believe they were heavily cybering. Mm -hmm. Clues has now gone to another level. Okay, look, I'm not (laughs) saying I'm on this level. I'm just saying (sighs) we have a source, an informant. That is completely unverifiable. Mm -hmm. There is no way to know if any of this is true. But if it is, it makes a lot of things make a lot more sense about this season. And this is what we know to not be true. This is what we know to be an idea. And that's all I can (laughs) say for it. This is a source that is a source of a source. Very uh, loose connection, some might say. This is what this is the information that we found out. I'm just going to say it, then I'm going to tell you how I went through to try and do a little work on my own to see if I could corroborate this. The rumor is this. There was another night one. You heard me correctly. The rumor, I repeat, rumor is that they shot a night one at the mansion, a full night one that will never air. And possibly even the next day, maybe a one-on-one, maybe a group date. We don't know. The rumor is, again, that they shot this full night one. And then, of course, COVID happened. They had to scuttle production. They had to wait five months, go Mm -hmm. to La Quinta, and they reshot a new night one after all of these people had already met each other. Certainly after Claire had met Dale 
potentially after she had gone on a date with him. This is a rumor. Mm-hmm. I can only say that so many times. Don't take this as true. It is simply a rumor, but it's a it possible rumor. It is simply a rumor that I have globbed onto, well, and I refuse to take in any information that diverges from it. I'm not saying I even believe this. I'm just saying it's a possibility. It's one that I keep in my mind as mm-hmm. potentially an explanation for why we're seeing all what we're seeing. Now, let me just, if I may, mm-hmm. the research that I did is mm-hmm. thus. Oh, there's research. Yeah. Well, because I hear this and I'm like, well, what the fuck is this? Let me check this out because if it's true, it's fucking huge. And if it's not, it's just some bullshit. Mm-hmm. I couldn't confirm it through any of our sources or informants. Uh-huh. <laughs> But our I did various start, informants. I did start looking into the dates of a few yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know for a fact on March 6th, Reality Steve reported that a player named Cameron Duffy was seen shooting his hometown package, the little, what they would have used as their intro packages in a normal season. Mm-hmm. He was shooting that footage. Uh, and it was reported on March 6th by Reality Steve with a video of him shooting it on a pier in San Diego. This is March 6th. Almost immediately after March 6th, shit starts kicking into high gear with COVID, especially in California. You start to see different counties issuing shelter in places. You start to see different studios, production companies, networks putting out these emails saying, this is going to be our protocol during COVID, shutting down certain productions. All this kind of shit that starts happening immediately after March 6th, Mm -hmm. all the way to March 19th, governor of California, Gavin Newsom, issues a shelter in place to the entire state of California. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in between there is March 13th, a very (laughs) important date. Because it's two days before the Ides of March. Exactly. No, (laughs) it's the day that Dark Lord Harrison himself posts a video on his Instagram grid saying The Bachelorette is postponed. That is the day it became official. So we have from March 6th to March 13th. We know they are shooting the show on March 6th. Could they have done night one in seven days? Yes, for sure. However, Reality Steve always reports night one. He always knows about it because Night One is a huge production. It is so difficult to do that without people being aware. And they're not in a bubble yet. You think they just shoot a Night One. They have all of these limo entrances. They have Grandy after Grandy being rented from wherever. And we don't hear anything about it. Look, not only that, as I said, this is just the research I did. I'm not saying I'm believing this theory, this rumor. Not only that, to back up your devil's advocate here. I'm not the devil. You're the devil in this. Oh, well. I'm giving the, you know, the cybering storyline. I feel like that really is, uh, I feel like that is just, that's just facts. I agree. At the very least, they were cybering, but they might have met prior to cybering is what I'm saying. The other bit of evidence, though, I will point out on your behalf of this argument Mm -hmm. is that if there was a night one, these guys would have gone home. The guys who got cut that night, they would have had their phones back. They would have been posting online. None of that happened. So somehow they were still kept in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Unless they were shooting night one and in the middle of it, some shit came out that was like, tomorrow's what? the day you can't shoot anymore. You think that that is likely? They have half a night one? I think when COVID started happening, people were fucking scared to death. 
especially people who work at networks and studios, because they're like, we have 200 fucking people on a crew right now. If COVID breaks out on that Bachelorette set, this shit is done. Yeah. So as soon as somebody made the decision to scuttle that season, that traveled like lightning through the entire thing. And so I think, yes, it's possible they were shooting night one and they got the call from the network or studio and said, it's over. We can't do it anymore. Pull the plug. Possible, yes. I think that halfway through night one is too good a story for us not to have heard it. I heard it. That's what I'm telling you. I've heard the story now. <laughs> I don't know if it's real or not, but I fucking anyway, heard it. Anyway, I just thought everybody should know about this divergence <laughs> in our lines of thinking going okay. into this because it was the lens with which we both viewed this episode. Not that it's that different. I think this level of cybering that happened was on a romantic level. But the, the big difference is if that night one happened, all of the people we're watching have already met each other. Right. She's already met Dale, and all of them to some degree are acting like they have not met each other. I don't think they're that good actors. I agree with you. I watched tonight's episode. They're all terrible <laughs> fucking actors. But I mean, to pull that off, they would have to be very good actors. They would have and to be I, under some I kind of contract. But I think they were pulling it off with that they didn't know each other, except for Claire and Dale. Maybe. Look, again, I'm not saying I'm... I'm firmly behind this. I'm just saying it's possible. If anybody has any information about it, feel free. Dig away. See what you can find. I'm very curious. Clues will report anything you send us. I'm not reporting this as fact. We come up with fucking weird experimental (laughs) theories and shit on this show all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. This isn't even something I came up with. It was something that's in the ether. It is now out there. It's a rumor. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We begin this episode with a bizarre shot of Claire in a bikini at the pool in La Quinta. It looks very Love Island. It looks like Reese Witherspoon in Legally Blonde, the shot of her floating on the donut across the pool. And she's talking about Dale Moss. They're really hitting that. Dale just made everything else disappear. Is he my future husband? He is her current husband. <laughs> I don't know if they're actually married. I don't even know if they're still together at this point. But certainly they're ramming it down our throats. Dale Moss, Dale Moss, Dale Moss, Dale Moss. They're either building us up to the most glorious love story ever told or the biggest disappointment we've ever seen. One of those two will be true. It also kind of looks from tonight, and we'll get more into this as we get into the details of it, they are giving Claire a kind of villain edit. I think when the show blows up, they've already designed into this that she's going to be an asshole figure so that we, the audience, will be like, glad to see her gone. Get somebody who's better in here. Because the clips they're using of her are not good. I don't know if they're purposefully giving her a villain edit, but holy cow, this episode, Claire was a lot So we get our first group date of the season. It's this weird date where they all file into some room on the grounds of La Quinta and there's a fake castle (laughs) inside and Claire sits up in the window and forces each of these guys to come up and use the first of the love languages, which is just speaking. By the way, on greeting, Dale Moss reprises his 
it takes two and lifts Claire up. Yeah, he's got a signature move. This is very similar to what you might expect from a PP in his season when mm-hmm. he did a move called the forklift on almost every woman he encountered. Or a Belacroix and his twirling. A signature physical greeting is a fantastic thing to have. Jake Pavelka used to lift all of the women's legs up on his lap during their one-on-one time. So they're doing this love language group date. DLH is weirdly the host of this, whereas normally we would get a celebrity or two in the first group date. They usually try to make that a big splash, but it's just DLH. He says, you're going to speak to Claire's heart. Words of affirmation. And she's sitting in this window like she's Rapunzel. Many of the guys do these kind of super serious renditions about how they're there for the right reasons and they just want to show her that. Then Dale gets up there and he does what amounts to a fucking marriage vows. I'm going to give all of myself to you. He's fucking in this game to win it. I don't care if these guys are acting, if they're not, if they met each other before. I don't give a fuck. Dale is bringing this shit. Those other guys, I don't know what they were doing. Nursery rhymes and shit. Who fucking knows? Dale came to win this fucking game, and he's doing it all right in front of them. He says he doesn't care who's watching. He is who he is, and he's here for Claire. And they literally give off the vibe like they have been hooking up off camera. Certainly the tone he's giving is not... Again, from somebody he literally met the night before. Claire gives a speech at the end of it. She says how much she appreciates it. It's so foreign to hear from men. It's like, of course it's foreign. They had to say this. They're literally under duress and they have to go back into COVID land if they don't come off as 4TRR for Claire. It's part of why I love these COVID dating shows is because the stakes are so much higher if they get sent home. It's like, nah, you got to put a mask on again. Have fun going to the grocery store once every two weeks and seeing no other human beings in your life. Is that just me? Then we get to this other weird part of the fucking date. We see the other guys who aren't on the group date. They're lounging around the pool and all the dudes from the group date come sprinting back to their rooms and they have to get a gift for Claire out of their rooms. (laughs) And I guess the idea here is that these are things they just brought with them. Personal icons, things that they packed for themselves, and they're going to give it to Claire. But that can't be the case. They must have been told by producers, oh, and bring a gift for Claire that shows something about yourself. I think we would have seen way different gifts. They would have been much more elaborate if they were gifts for Claire. Or, Or whatever it is. The producers clearly told them, bring something that reminds you of yourself that one guy has a fucking baseball from the last game he played in that's just something he takes with him everywhere he keeps with him Come he on. probably was like i'm gonna cringle this to her at some point for sure ivan gives her a chess piece he uses it to hint at a ptc of his brother going through some dark shit zach J gave her a bunch of boxes <laughs> inside boxes i was like this motherfucker is on some other shit i don't know what this is the worst fucking present i've ever seen it's not a present it's just a series of empty boxes the joy is the journey dale says i know how you love your dogs and so he gives her perfume for her dogs because her dogs smell like shit and he knows that from going to her house this play confused me for the rest of the night i will very likely be confused about it for the rest of my life. This is perfume for dogs? It is a smell for Claire to make her not smell her own dogs. The perfume is meant to be used by Claire on herself. Yeah, or her couch. 
I understood it to be perfume she was meant to spray on the dogs. I don't think there is dog perfume. There must is be. There? God, there probably is. Or is it just another strong play by Dale Moss? Put my aftershave on your dogs. Put my aftershave on your couch. Be absorbed in the full Dale Moss experience. Then we get the third love language, physical touch, where all of the men one by one have to caress her. They should have just gone full Love Island with this shit and had a kissing contest. But the way this whole thing is set up is very eyes wide shut. It's all of the guys in a circular ring around Claire. Claire stands in the middle, lit overhead, and one by one, these guys come into the center. She's blindfolded, and they essentially molest her (laughs) as the other guys watch it all happen. She's given group consent. I mean, I don't think it's without consent, but it's each of these guys gets their turn to go up and grope this blindfolded woman as the other guys must look on. This is how you find love. In no possible way is it believable that the producers set this up to be like, this will really help her figure out who she likes. It's just to get all these guys fucking hating each other. Oh, yeah. It's to make them watch her and Del Moss fuck with their hug. Del says, I wanted to make sure she felt my strong presence. And she goes, oh, I know this smell, as he's snuggling her. Zach J, I thought, did a pretty nice little play here. Might have gone unnoticed by some. When he was doing his thing with her, he lifts her up in the same way Dale Moss does. And she even says, oh, I'm confused now. She thought she knew who it was, but he did the Dale Moss move and it confused her. Thought of an experimental play here. Let's log this one as experimental play number 275. Uh Uh-huh. If you ever find yourself in a situation like this where the lead is blindfolded and you have to do some kind of physical contact, back into her. That's right. Don't hug her. Make her spoon you. Make her put her arms around your back and figure out what the fuck is going on. It's unique and you'll stand out. Throw her off her game. Exactly. Uh DLH recaps this portion of the date and asks Claire. She's like, oh, it's so nice to touch people after quarantine. And he says, is that the cure for quarantine? What another great DLH COVID joke. He's lost a step. I hate to say it. DLH ain't DLH in this show. Oh, my God. He's... How dare you? He is significantly slowed down. And I don't mean in the way he talks. I mean the fucking energy. I don't know if he doesn't want to be here this season. I don't know what's going on. The shine in his eye is out. He doesn't. It's way more work, and he's probably not getting paid more than he does in a normal season. I'm also just saying, per the rumor... He might have a feeling like the season is broken already because they had to reset it. There's something about him. Oh, it confirms your theory in the divergence. Well, we're about to get to something that I think does confirm the theory a little bit in this next moment. They all go to the cocktail party after the fucking group date. They all sit there for an awkward fucking beat of silence and not one of these motherfucking guys makes a move to talk to Claire. Here's the thing. Claire says, does anyone want to step up to the plate? She's like, where's my fucking first responder? No one wants to do it. Usually they cut off the bachelor or bachelorette's toast. Like people are that antsy to get this time. But here's the thing. This date has been so confusing. 
They've done three out of the five love languages. They say this after party is the fourth one, quality time. So I feel like they are totally thrown off. They're completely disoriented from what they've gone through in the whole COVID process and in this date. I just think they got confused by the multiple parts. It could also be that they witnessed Dale Moss get a first impression rose on another night one five months ago. They saw that connection building in the beginning. They know that this game is already over and they don't have a fucking ounce of enthusiasm about trying to go get one-on-one time with her because they're just like, whatever, I'm going to hang out in this resort until they kick me off, I guess. I don't care what the fucking circumstance is. Confused by the group date? This is a fucking cocktail party. All that matters is one-on-one time. We have never seen anything like this in Bachelor or Bachelorette where they just fucking sit there and don't try to get that time. Something is fucked here. And At I, least in the modern game, we haven't seen that. Again, it's a rumor, but it makes sense to me if this is the result of it. These guys are not stepping up. Bennett is the reluctant first responder, and Claire can't be present in their conversation. She says, I can't hold things in. I'm going to go yell at the guys. She gives them the speech. I couldn't concentrate on talking with Bennett. I'm taking it back. I'm making this toast. And then there's an awkward silence. I'm embarrassed. Does anybody want to spend time with me? If you want to spend time with each other, I can go to bed. Zach J says, I didn't know it was the time for that. Proving my point. Dale steps up. He says, I feel like shit knowing you felt like that. Never again will I restrict how I feel. Since getting the first impression rose, I've been on cloud nine. I'm still on cloud nine. It's like he and Claire are acting out this telenovela during this episode. It's bananas. It's during every episode. They have to justify the relationship they've already built prior to the fucking show. Whether that was all cybering or also a prior night one and some cybering and a new night one. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is. They have a prior relationship. They're now forced to justify it through these crazy exclamations of, (laughs) I will never let you feel like that again. Anytime you're in a group of men, I will make sure all of us are trying our hardest to get time with you. It's like, what the fuck is he talking about? What is he fucking talking about? He's talking about how he knows exactly what Claire wants to hear. Can we talk for a minute about Bennett's conversation with her as well? He doesn't even lean into her. He is just sitting on the couch with a leg crossed saying, well, I do real estate investment in New York and have a pretty good life. And this is a man talking to his friend's girlfriend. This is not a man trying to woo a woman. I think this speaks more to Bennett's wooing skills than it does to a deeply wrong conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a rumor. (laughs) It becomes a conspiracy theory when you put all these levels onto it. I'm just offering Uh, some evidence. That's all. It's circumstantial. By no means am I backing this as a real thing. I'm just, for this episode, I'm letting my mind wander with it. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, could it be true? And if it is, here's some reasons that I think... You're just full of whimsy. That's what I'm well known for. We get a brief Riley versus Yosef rivalry here about Yosef tried to say, I speak for all the guys, and Riley's like, you don't speak for me. I can tell Claire what I think like a man, like men do. Some more toxic masculinity stuff here. Yosef has very Donald Trump Jr. vibes here. He's like, facts are facts. Riley, there is no me there. There is no us. There is no me and you. Yeah, they're, they're definitely trying to build Yosef into a bit of a villain. 
at the very least, they're trying to get a rivalry out of him and Riley that they're going to pay off at some point. I'm sure in the very near future, we've seen the promo clips of Yosef calling her the oldest bachelor and storming off. And we get later his opinions about some of the things she did on dates. But yeah, it seems like they're building this out of pretty much nothing. Yeah. This is not going to be a rivalry that goes down in the history of our beloved game. It's going to be one we're happy not. to be done with. We've seen Chad Johnson versus Evan Bass. The shirt grab, the door punch. This is nothing. Well, we also had Chad Johnson, though. No one on this season is Chad Johnson. No. We've never had another Chad Johnson. No, he is unique in our beloved game. Dalmas pulls Claire for one-on-one time during the after party, says that he's feeling protective of her, gets the first kiss of the episode. Claire tells him that he scares her because of how she already feels about him. A love level one. I totally have feelings for you. And Moss returns it. Love level one. I feel the same way. And then in an ITM, he loads love level two. I can see myself falling in love with her. This is, so far, he's in the lead. Gets another kiss. As we know, the love levels are a very important aspect of our beloved game. It marks your progress in the relationship. Love level one is basically saying, I like you. I'm having feelings for you. I can't believe how quickly I'm starting to feel things for you. I feel a real connection with you. Love level two is you're starting to fall for someone. You're beginning to fall. I can see myself falling, which is what Dale loaded in his ITM. But the word fall is very much a part of love level two. Love level three is, I am falling. You have now bridged the gap. You're in the process of falling in love. It's not that you're starting to. It's not that you can see yourself. It's not that you hope to. It's that you are now falling. You're falling. Often the sacred word love is invoked here. And love level four, full on sacred word. I love you. I fell in love with you. I am in love with you. I am head over heels in love with you. Mm -hmm. And there are many strata of these that you can break down into their finer granule components. But those are the four love levels. Dale here hits love level one, and he is in the lead so far. And he's loading love level two, which means he's saying it in ITM, not to Claire. Claire has one-on-one time with Zach C, and she plays her first of three PTCs of this episode. She talks about how she originally came on the show to get away from, a, from an, an abusive relationship. She had already loaded this on night one. During this PTC, she literally closes her eyes while she's saying this speech. She does this several times throughout the episode. She's not talking to Zach C. She is speaking to us, the fourth audience, to get us on her side. All of Claire's PTC use in this episode is rehearsed again and again and again. She has said these speeches to herself, maybe while in quarantine. I'll just say this, and it may be the edit. I'm not going to fault Claire for this necessarily, but she's not a great bachelorette. She lacks sincerity or a believable performance of it at the very least. All of her speeches come off as scripted to me. I don't get the feeling that she likes any of these guys except Dale. She's not able to put on that show. So it kind of invalidates everything we're watching. Even if I didn't know what was going to happen at the end of this, I would still think, what are these, these other guys have no chance. There's nothing between her. You don't think she's into Blake Moynes? No. 
we'll get to the Blake Moynes play. That was completely a producer save. They're going to use him with Tasha, and maybe the next Bachelor. I mean, I do feel like a lot of these conversations, and we'll see it later on her one-on-one with Jason, she's not talking to the person in front of her. And I don't know if it's just like the production of this season is bizarre. They can't have as many people on set. They can't have as extravagant dates, so everything seems more awkward. All the leads, when they start a rose ceremony, they come out and they give a little preamble speech to the players who are standing there. And those speeches are always of this variety. Thank you so much for being here. It's getting harder and harder. I'm feeling real connections with you. I think my significant other is in this room. But they always hit that. It's getting harder and harder to make these decisions. I really don't want to have to let some of you go. I will never believe that Claire gives a (laughs) shit about dumping any of these fucking guys. No. And I, again, I don't know if it's because they met. I don't know if it's because of the cybering. But this whole season is fucking off from the jump. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't have that same level of like curiosity about what's going to happen. And again, it's not just because we know what's going to happen. That is a part of it, certainly. But it's the way all of these people really are behaving. But Claire specifically, because she has so much screen time. She's not selling this. We get... Some pretty good one-on-one time here with Riley. He tells her she looks gorgeous. He hits that he's giving her words of affirmation. He apologizes for not jumping out of his seat and being first responder. And then he says, I'm going to take you back to high school prom and has her fake slow dance with him. She's like, what are we listening to? He says, boys to men. He then makes her say what she wants in a husband, grabs her chin and brings it to his face, gets that kiss. He then pretends to lose his train of thought and says he'll protect her, gets another kiss and another three kisses. This move to dance was up there for my play of the game this episode. Me too. It was a shining moment, I thought, in this episode. Triple kiss, prom, mini date. He invokes boys to men who made an appearance in this very franchise. And he gets the group date rose. These roses that are available on a group date, on a one-on-one. These are opportunities to get roses outside of the rose ceremony. And you have to get them at all costs. Because once you have it, nothing can be done to revoke it. I mean, something can be. You can really fuck (laughs) up and get kicked off the show, but... You could be like Rosalind in Jake Pavelka's season. She got a group date rose. Then it was revealed that she was hooking up with a producer and they revoked that group date rose. But that's a very special circumstance. (laughs) Other than these special circumstances... A zero-point rose, a group date rose, fimp, all these kinds of things. Once you have it, you're locked in. There's no conversation she can have with somebody over the course of a cocktails that are, is going to revoke that rose. So you have to be going hard for these zero-point roses at all times. He gets one here. I loved what he did. It was really a flawless cocktail party mini date. And triple kiss is fucking strong. Mm-hmm. Strong physical chemistry game. He's starting right here. If only any of it mattered. we then get jason's one-on-one the only one-on-one of the episode he gets instructions for the date in the date card that he has to write a letter to his younger self i don't believe we've ever seen pre-date homework like this before pre-date mid-date post-date all this motherfucker was doing was homework (laughs) There wasn't a word said to each other on this fucking date that they didn't write on a 
letter that they had to do yeah. before, a clay <laughs> tablet during the fucking date, the letter she wrote to him before. I've never seen so much fucking writing in a fucking date. All I'm thinking in my head is like, she's had five fucking months to sit around and think about what are these dates going to be. And I know Claire is into like reading self-help books and self-affirmations yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So I think she's doing this shit. And then she's like, oh, this will be fun to have a guy do with me. I'll fucking set up a date where we got to write letters to our young selves. And oh, my God. Fucking etch shit into clay tablets or whatever. I mean, Claire's ideal thing to come out of a date is not falling in love. It's pulling out those demons, getting those PTCs. Taking him out from being loaded, putting him on the fucking table. Well, as she said, she wants to open Pandora's box, which means I think she doesn't quite understand what happened when that <laughs> happened. It's a very bad thing. You don't want to open Pandora's box because of the demons specifically. <laughs> <laughs> but she wants to see the demons. Fine. She, sees it. she likes demons. That's okay. You can like demons. Claire wants demons. She wants rule breakers. She wants first responders. These are her three priorities. But this thing where she made this poor fucker write down all the shit he is ashamed of on a fucking clay tablet and then throw it in the dirt behind them. He PTCs right off the bat, by the way. He tells her that he used to be 300 some odd pounds. They do a guttural scream into the desert. She makes him write his feelings down again. It's literally the most homework we've ever seen on a date. And they have to write these words that people have said that are horrible about them. And just for context, Pace Case and I right now are in season 17 of the Hyper Binge. This is Sean fucking Lowe. Yeah. Literally this morning, we watched a fucking one-on-one date where Sean Lowe takes fucking Sarah Heron to the top of a skyscraper in downtown LA and they fucking zip line down to the bottom where there's a champagne brunch waiting on them by a pool. And it was a get to the chopper. They took a helicopter there. And now we're treated to two fucking maniacs screaming into the desert night sky and throwing clay tablets in the dirt. By the way, those were literally both the same date. It was the week one, first one-on-one. This one-on-one date with Jason is basically a series of mini activities that I would design if I were on acid. I'd be like, now let's go let's go over here four feet away and throw tablets against the rocks now let's write our feelings okay let's go look at that tree it literally felt like a person tripping balls was coming up with all this shit do you think you would have brought with you a dress that you had kept in pristine condition for six years and then said this dress doesn't mean anything to me before throwing it in a fire if i had it (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) oh my god she mentions Her going on the show so many fucking times (laughs) in this date, but overall in this episode too. She tells this poor bastard in the beginning, did you see my season? And he's just kind of like, uh. And she's like, well, I went on it six years ago and I did all this fucking shit. Then at the end of this, she whips out the fucking dress, says it means nothing to me. Again, she has kept it in pristine condition for six fucking years and brought it to La Quinta with her. Clearly, it means something to her. By the way, this is after... They have to read the letters they've written to their younger selves. He talks about his walls, mentions these demons. She demands that he plays a PTC. And he says, I've been by myself the last two years doing my own thing, hooking up with anybody. And she's like, you're that guy? He says, I'm afraid of this Pandora's box. There's some demons that are going to come out that I don't want anybody to see. She's like, let those demons out. It's demon season. He vaguely references another PTC about his parents 
and being like, that was not a great example of a relationship. And Claire plays her second PTC of the episode. She says, there's nothing that scares me. I stood at the edge of my father's bed as he took his last breaths. I want to know about those demons. Gives him the rose. Gives him two kisses in exchange for his demons. And then she brings out the dress. The way that Claire talks about her old seasons to me reminded me of Kelsey Poe talking about her story about this is a woman who was on Crystals this season. She was like, I love my story. It's the best story. And it was about her fiance who had died or husband who had died. Sanderson Poe. And the way that Claire talks about her seasons is like, I love my seasons. I love how I stood up to Juan Pablo. And she wants everyone to talk about it and reference it back to her. Then after they burn her dress, <laughs> as you do on a first date. They kiss. He's had to go through this whole marathon, triathlon, emotional triathlon in order to get these three kisses. But he gets that R. He gets that zero point R. Again, when you're offered these opportunities, you must capitalize. And for as weird as this fucking date was, I actually thought he played it pretty fucking well. He did everything she asked, even the clay tablet, watched the dress burn. Gave her 1.5 PTCs. And you know, Claire at the- Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my... Um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, Me Undies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies. Comfort. From the outside in. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. 
Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy. .co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. This point is just looking for a reason to dump you. She's going to be with Dale. She's looking for anything to single out to be like, fuck you, you're out of here. Jason on this date doesn't give her that option. He does everything squeaky clean. We then get our second group date of the episode. All of the guys, we don't even get a date card for this episode to tell us which guys are on this date. Very frustrating for our data collection. This is also how you know this season's a little fucked. For me anyway. There's some things that are off about it. You're not seeing the date card read. You're not seeing a lot of guys' names on screen. I don't know why they're doing that, but you're getting a lot of moments where a dude is talking in an ITM and you don't see his fucking name pop up. They had to shoot extra, so they had to fire a couple Chiron guys. (laughs) Budget cut. (laughs) Uh, This group date begins with a humiliation. Claire assaults the men as they enter this building with a series of rubber balls. She says, I want a man who has some balls, knows how to compete and wants to win me over. She got to have her balls and she got to have her demons. (laughs) If you got balls and demons, you're fucking doing good. Speaking of demons, DLH comes in as they're practicing (laughs) dodgeball, blowing a whistle, says they're splitting into two teams. This is going to be a PFT, a play for time. The losing dodgeball team has to do a walk of shame back home while the winners have an after party. And they find these uniforms, including, uh, what would you call this item of clothing? Jock strap. A jock strap? Mm-hmm. Hmm. The play for time is called Claire's Extreme Strip Dodgeball Bash. Now, this is a direct reference to a group date that happened on PP's season just back in March is when that season ended. Can you believe that? March 10th is when that season ended. Yeah. In that season, Demi, of course, shows up to put on 
her version of this, Demi's Extreme Pillow Fight Club, and it was a very similar kind of thing. All the women were forced to get into lingerie and compete in a physically violent game. Extreme humiliation, extreme violence. I would like to read a quote that Claire said on Bachelor Happy Hour with Rachel Lindsay and Becca Kufrin. She said, I said what I wanted to say. I did what I wanted to do. I followed my heart. I followed my gut. I didn't let anyone tell me what to do because I know what's best for myself. I can look back and say I have no regrets. I wasn't talked into or encouraged to do something that I didn't want to do. Never once did I do something that I didn't want to do. This was the season to do things my way. Her way is forcing the guys to strip down an article of clothing every time their team loses. Like you were saying, we saw this in Demi's extreme pillow fight group date. We've had in Jason Mesnick's season, the women had to strip at least their tops off to make these busts, um, which were, of course, for charity. That can excuse the nudity. We also saw that with a naked PETA group date once. We've seen countless bikini dates. They made the girls perform burlesque on Ari's season. There are really two options if you get presented with a forced nudity group date. Hyper-enthusiasm and excitement. I can't wait to do this. This is going to be so much fun. Or outrage at the idea that you would be forced to do this by somebody you're trying to start a relationship with that you barely know. That's a riskier play, but if pulled off correctly, it can generate sympathy and allow you to omit yourself from this humiliating activity. It can and get one-on-one time exactly. as you walk off. Exactly. I seem to maybe be the only person who really had a problem with this group date. I just think we're in the year of our Dark Lord 2020. It is not okay to do a forced nudity group date. Again, I think of... If these were women, would this be okay what they're doing? And it would not be. DLH is commentating with Claire. She's playing Fred Willard. She's playing the role she of Fred Willard. She the seat of Fred Willard's Objectifying spirit. the men. DLH pretends like he didn't know it was going to be a strip date, even though it's spray painted to say strip on the podium that they sit at. Like the guys aren't already in these jockstrap costumes, presumably knowing they're going to have to strip down to them. He knows what the whole game is going to be. And yet he does have that brief moment where when the blue team is losing badly and the guys finally have to reveal their bare buttocks, DLH hangs his head in his hands as though this is too much, a line too far from him, just so that he can inject a little familiar homophobia right back into the bachelorette for you. But wait, wait, wait. You're missing the fact that there is a referee in this game who is enforcing Claire's rules telling the men they have to strip their shirts off. This is my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. He was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. It's not often that a bystander of the week is doing forced sexual harassment, but this was a unique season. 
All I could think was, who the fuck is this guy? Is it a producer? Is it a PA? Is it somebody with a production? Is it somebody who works at La Quinta? Where did they find this fucking guy to be like, hey, I know it's COVID, but we're going to have you come in and stand in the middle of 12 fucking dudes who are sweating and breathing out of their mouths with no masks. Cool? Great. Get out there. It has to be someone on production. They wouldn't fly in a referee for this. (laughs) (laughs) It's like all the sports were shut down at that time. It's like a major league baseball umpire that's just like, I need the work. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a, a flown in referee either, but this poor fucker has to stand out there and like he's serious. He took his role very seriously, I thought, and actually played it well. Played it much better than any of the people were watching on the show. Did he? Yeah. He doesn't commit to the rules of the game. They make the red team take off their shirts even though they win every point. I'm sorry. The game we're playing is called The Bachelorette. <laughs> He's definitely committed to those rules. Whatever she says goes. Ugh. I just did not like it. They put in these lines that are said off camera, so Claire's not saying them at the time, but she's like, look at Kenny's ass. How is he so tan? It's just not fucking okay. I just, I'm inserting women into their roles for each of these, and... It's the most complicit I've felt this season. In the immortal words of Hannah Ann Sluice, (laughs) we knew what we signed up for. You sign a contract that gives up your civil rights. That is the literal phrase used in the fucking contract. You're invoking the sluice. I'm invoking the sluice clause. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying sluice is referring to the civil rights clause. Seleucian protocol dictates <laughs> that you be very aware of the civil rights you've signed uh-huh. away upon entry to the game. All right. Now that we've explained Seleucian protocol, uh, <laughs> the blue team is bare-assed at this point. The red team wins. And it seems like some guys are even cool to strip off the jockstrap. We are at least given the implication... Mm-hmm. That one or two of these guys shows full dick to Claire. Oh, yeah. Sexually harassing her as revenge. But even then, several of the guys strip fully down, and then one guy doesn't, and he apologizes. And she's like, it's okay. It's such a weird power dynamic thing going on here. She insists on hugging them before they go. She wants to be touching that dick. The losing team does this literal walk of shame, come in and sit right next to all the guys. They're back at the forced rec center, all hanging out. One thing that's interesting here is sometimes with these PFTs, especially group date PFTs, plays for time, the losing team doesn't always have to go home. Sometimes the lead will be benevolent and allow the losers to come to the cocktail party. That is not the case here. We saw that with Ari Leindyke at the bowling group date. Mm -hmm. Crystal got very mad when he did that. But here it is strictly enforced. Losers go the fuck home. At the tea that they peed for, the time that they played for, the after party, Easy is the first responder. They're highlighting him. He's giving Claire a foot rub, says he loves her energy. Chasen plays a PTC with Claire on their one-on-one time, says he was bullied for being short. If you can believe it, because he's so handsome now, he calls himself a hermit crab and said he played video games. I guess I'm a hermit crab, too. Claire doesn't let a PTC go back, go by 
without playing a PTC. She's she's not going to do that. She plays another PTC, her third PTC of our fucking episode. She says, I didn't have the greatest high school experience either. I never went to prom. I was invisible. Now, we put it to you. This just doesn't seem likely to us. Is there a yearbook picture of Claire out there with most popular under it? Is that Does that exist? Homecoming queen. She's like, I feel exhausted by Claire's third PTC. All she does is PTCs that are like eyes closed. She's rehearsed these lines. We see her do that multiple times this episode. By the way, Jason gets a kiss from this PTC. Well played. And then we cut away from the group date. Back to Blake Moines' room. What's he doing? Combing his luxurious beard. He's getting ready to go out. What? He says the dodgeball... But his team lost. Doesn't matter to him. He says the dodgeball game will not be the determining factor in getting time with Claire. He leaves his room. He shows up to the fucking group date cocktail party. He tries a steal. She's talking to Jay. And Jay says, uh, didn't you lose? He tells Claire then, fine, I'll let him go. Let him take a turn, basically, is what Jay means. And with persistence, Blake is able to get the steal here. It was a fascinating moment because Jay didn't have to do that. He even knew he didn't have to do it. But something in the way Blake came up to him, he gets that fucking steal. This is high-level play. This was my... Error, 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 error of the game. By Jay. He fails to block this steal. You either block this steal or you don't block the steal. He comes off very 4TWR when he's like, oh, I don't really want to give him time with Claire. Like he doesn't feel confident in their relationship that it's a game. That he doesn't have Claire's best interests at heart. Maybe she has a true connection with Blake. Wouldn't he want her to be happy? I agree with you. He chose a weird middle ground. There was an extra step in his decision that fucking hung him out to dry. If you're going to deny a steal, if you're going to block a fucking steal, you block it. You shut it down and you say, get the fuck out of here. Loser. (laughs) Whatever you want to say. But you don't let it happen. If you're not going to block a steal, you're like, yeah, dude, sure, no problem. You're amicable about it. He is skeptical. Didn't you lose? Well, okay. He's sour grapes in it the whole time. This is a bad Mm -hmm. fucking look for you. Yeah. He blew it. But then Blake comes in. He gets his one-on-one time with her, and he says, look, I know all the other guys are going to fucking be up my ass for this, but I had to show you that I had balls. So I broke the rules and he knows he's been rewarded for breaking the rules before. He refers to it. And then we cut to the other guys. Jay comes back. He's just been fucking had this horrible moment of dejection. Guess what, guys? Blake showed up. He's over there with it right now. And he rallies them all up. We get a posse of the dudes. They're going to go fucking put an end to this. <laughs> they come in full guns blazing. And we hear a series of lines that are not set on camera. All of the lines that we hear are presumably not in this scene where the guys are like, oh, this isn't fair. They lost. We don't see a single line said from a mouth. This entire moment is completely manufactured. Literally, none of it is real. I am not sure those guys are even there. They could be computer generated. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but... 
<laughs> there was some very creative editing done at the very least with the dialogue, if not the video itself. I don't believe these guys said anything mean to him. I think the producers made them all go walk over there. And they were just like, well, oh, cool, dude. You're talking to her? All right. See you back at the house. <laughs> That's probably what happened. Claire defends him, and they continue their conversation. Blake tries to kiss her, and Claire blocks it, says, you can't go that far. You can break rules, but not you can't get a kiss from that. Now, upon seeing this for the first time, I thought, he's fucked. He's dead in the water. That recoil from a kiss is usually the end of you. And so, as I was watching it, I was like, fuck, I think he fucked up. But, as we know what happens by the end of this episode, he did not fuck up. And that's why this entire interaction was my... Play, 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 play of the game. Anytime you can get a fucking, what is essentially a knock-knock here. He's leaving his room to go meet the Bachelorette. True, he's crashing group date as well, so that even ups the level of difficulty of this play, and he fucking pulls it off. It also means you have to have the producers helping you do this. Once you're fucking in your room, you're locked in. Those producers ain't fucking letting you out unless they're helping you to go do something. So we know he's got the producers on his side, and... We see Claire give him the specialty rose later, which we will talk about. I don't believe she gives a fuck about him. The producers are keeping him around. They have plans for him. And we're seeing it bear out in this play that he does here. He absolutely has the producers on his side. We see him walking around shirtless more than any of the other guys who are on the losing team. This move by Blake was also my... Play of the game. This reminded me of Kelsey Weir during PP's season. She got the first knock-knock rose we've ever seen, where she took it upon herself. She sensed some drama was happening with Tammy. She had accused her of things. She went and visited PP and got a rose out of that interaction. This was very reminiscent of that for me. Getting a zero-point rose on a group date that you're not on. He essentially got the rose during this date. It was so well done. It came off super 4TRR. He's referencing his preseason play with her. It was fantastic. And then even the blocked kiss ends up making Claire feel guilty. And so she feels like she needs to reward him, that she had shamed him, doesn't want him to wait through the whole cocktail party, wondering if he's going to get that rose. He gets a zero-point special rose. Then we see some one-on-one time that doesn't go as well with Brandon. He tells her that he was a little upset about Blake crashing. She grills him. What do you want to be? Why are you here? He says, oh, well, when you were announced, I really wanted to come on. And she's like, why specifically? And he's like, oh, well, you're, you know, you're gorgeous. I don't know anything about you. I know you're from Sacramento. Tries to change the subject. She says, you don't know anything about me? Essentially, you didn't watch my season? You don't know about my green dress? (laughs) (laughs) He plays this off horribly. Can't come up with one thing about her and says, can we not talk about that? This isn't the content I've prepared for this one-on-one time. 
Brandon's mishandling of this simple conversation <laughs> was my <laughs> error, error, error of the game. It's very simple, Brandon. You're beautiful, you're smart, you're powerful, you're funny, you're easy to be around, you're a strong, independent woman, you're going to be a great mother. It's everything anybody wants to hear. You just say some of those things. Of course you don't know her. That's the truth. You're on a show playing a game. The game is to get through this moment. Don't give her a reason. And he gives her the biggest reason of all. He can't say one good thing about her. You're fucking gone, dude. And of course, he is. She doesn't even fucking wait for the rose ceremony. Uh, Bye-bye. She gives him out. She's like, you didn't like that I stood up for myself? He could have easily globbed onto that and been like, oh my God, I totally loved how you stood up for yourself. It It was so great for these reasons. And yeah, getting executed in the middle of a group date is kind of like the opposite of what Blake Moynes did. He's losing a rose that he didn't have to lose. You know, if he had handled this a little better, he could have come back at the cocktail party and been like, look, I made you this. I picked this flower for you. I felt bad about our conversation earlier. There's so many things I love about you, but you made me so nervous that I I tripped up just like I'm so for TRR. I like you so much. Raise a love level. He wasn't made for the game. This is a simple thing you have to be able to do here. You have to be able to get through a one-on-one conversation with her at a fucking group date cocktail party. This is also not to say that what Claire's doing is normal. She's like, Brandon can't think of one thing he likes about me. Why are you here? It's like, this is presumably their second, literally their second conversation they've ever had. It's not that crazy that he's not in love with her. Of course, but she's the lead. If you're a player, your job is to read the lead. What the fuck are they like? What are they going to react to? Victoria Fuller was fantastic at reading the lead. She was able to use PP's own psychology against him. He likes women who are super emotional and fucking cry a lot. She was able to read that immediately. She played that game so well, she got to final fucking three. They had a fight on the steps of her fucking parents' house before hometowns. He did not meet her parents. And she still advanced to fucking fantasy suites because she could read the lead. Brandon, you can't read shit. Claire almost plays her fourth BTC of the episode, says, I was talking to Brandon and it triggered me. I've been in superficial relationships. Doesn't get into it. Gives Chasen the group date rose for his PTC. They had those parallel high school PTCs. She loves that. She can't wait to find out what other demons he has. Easy says a very sports line. That came out of left field. Tomorrow at the cocktail party, I gotta bring it. We get these hints that Yosef is pissed about the forced nudity group date he says that it seemed classless of claire he's kind of getting this villain edit we're presumably supposed to be on claire's side that the men should strip for her she sort of tries to block this at her cocktail party opening speech she says thank you for putting it all out there hope you know it was all in good good fun zach J. Tries to be the first responder here and gets blocked by Claire. And she says, actually, and he's like, I can't. I felt so bad for Zag J here. It's Claire's playing a strange game as a lead. She's not reacting normally. I should say she's not reacting in the normal way that a lead does to these things. And what's strange really about it is she's giving very mixed signals, in the, at least in yeah. the course of this edit. 
because she reprimands a whole group of men for not making an aggressive first move. And then when this guy does make one, fuck you, buddy. Yeah. I want you guys to be the first responder and I'm going to be pissed if you let two seconds pass without doing it, but I might cut your dick off in front of everybody if you do. What is anyone to think if this is going to be her reaction? But she rebuffs Zach J and she instead takes Blake Moines away for some much needed one-on-one time. This is Bachelorette's preference. She asks him. She sits him down and she says, hey, I love how you prostrated yourself for me. He says crashing the group date was the biggest challenge personally that he's ever taken. (laughs) And she loves it. As you're saying, just as she loved him breaking the rules of being the only man, I assure you, who DM'd me during the quarantine. No one else (laughs) ever did. That is the truth. I talked to no one. So he's kind of set up to be this guy who will break the rules for her now, and she loves it. And of course, she gives him this special rose, a zero-point rose, out of context of any rose ceremony or date. This is what we were talking about earlier. He's manufacturing a rose for himself here. Or shall we say the producers are manufacturing one for him. He gets the kiss. He says, I'm back on cloud nine again. He and Del Moss are duking it out on cloud nine, I guess. Easy takes from this. This moment moving forward, there's no rules of engagement. It's an all-out war. And then we end this episode with some one-on-one time with Dale Moss himself. His initials are DM. Do you think it's his real name? I mean... This is a fucking clue. Are they fucking with us? I mean, I'm just saying his initials are DM. Are we really to believe they weren't cybering? He tells her... That he feels a deep connection with her, and he's not afraid to be himself. He says he was left high and dry in other relationships. Of course, she says, me too. (laughs) If you've experienced trauma, I have too. The exact same one plus more. We get that from her all night. He looks like he's going to cringle her here. He has a package. We don't get to see what it is. Whatever he gave her did not make the edit. She brings up her mom and how she felt very alone during quarantine. He says he's kept her and her mom in his prayers the whole time. She PTCs her dying dad again. They kiss. By the way, the talking about her father, she's closing her eyes during this speech again, monologuing. Dale says he wants to be on all the dates, gets a kiss, and then... She whips out a blindfold, says she kept it from the prior love language date. She blindfolds this motherfucker and starts making out with him in a corridor. This is the end of the show. We get no rose ceremony. So this is basically like, hey, you want to watch this football game? You can see all of it except the last two minutes. Cool? Great. When they do this, they invalidate the viewing experience. I cannot state this enough. And they did this for the first three or four episodes of PP season, and it made it pure shit. I hate it. I'm like, I gave my error to Jay, but is it truly an error if he gets a rose? I don't fucking know. We won't know till next week. Nonetheless, we do have a lot of play to analyze from this week. We certainly have enough to determine our MVPs. Pace Case, who is your MVP? Blake Moines was my... MVP. Like everything we said about the play of the game, he got a zero-point rose. Not on a group date, not on a one-on-one date. Those are so rare in our beloved game. 
And he was able to take what you might think is a loss, a forced nudity play, losing a play for time, and translate that into a crashing of the group date, a zero-point special rose, and got a shit ton of screen time. That is a, presumably a positive edit. Some people might take it to think that he's being groomed to be next Bachelor. I say let's wait and see, but he was my MVP. Boyk Moines was also my... M, 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 V, P, A lot of end of episode energy coming out of clues right now through this partition. <laughs> Look, you said it. I don't know that I can say it much better, but these... Thank you. The special roses are so exceedingly rare. Anyone who can get one is going to be my MVP of that week because they require not just the lead to give you one. The producers have to okay this shit. It's generating a rose out of nothing. It's virtually impossible to do unless you have that blessing. And that to me is once you get a producer's blessing, you're going to stick around in the fucking game. And for me, that play, I mean, this play specifically, but generally that play of getting producers on your side, playing to that audience, the third audience is fucking difficult to do. And it looks like he's doing it better than fucking anyone. It also riles everyone else up. Kelsey Weir did this when she traipsed back from her knock-knock to show everyone, oh, I, yeah, I got a knock-knock rose. He Blake just, did this as well. Came back to the cocktail party, flower on his lapel, fucking he, with everyone's minds. He just seems to be the player that the producers have tapped. You're kind of untouchable at that point. I don't know how he did it, but he's fucking done it. And this week, it really came through. So congratulations to Blake Moynes. Got a double fucking MVP this week. You got a fucking special rose. Double play of the game. You're doing it. And I think you're going to go very far in Tasha's season. Can't wait to see that. <laughs> and so far, for me, I will just say my reaction to this season is not great. I think there is no sincerity between any of these people. It all seems like acting. Bad acting at that to me. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what the producers are doing in terms of how they're editing shit because Claire is coming off to look like an asshole. And that may not be the actual case. That may just be the producers cutting it that way so that when she is kicked off, we will be happy she's gone. They might be setting her up to be kind of this villain who fucks with the show. We know that they don't like that, even though all this may be orchestrated by them. There's definitely a very strong theme of rule breaking. I don't like how the PTCs are coming off her close-eyed speeches to people, but it is kind of an edit to make her seem super 4TRR. She's been through so much. Let's just give her the love story. Let's not make her drag this out. But the tonnage of it, they chose to keep in like five-ish PTC plays from her in this. Every date she was on, every conversation she had, it was some tragedy she was talking about. This is definitely a tonnage that we do not see. I think we maybe saw five total PTCs over the course of PP season versus in one episode. I don't think PP ever played a PTC. He's like, my PP life, it's been great. He was like, one time I was doing a food eating challenge where I ate too many McDonald's cheeseburgers and I puked (laughs) off a balcony. Can you believe it? 
Yeah, I don't know about this season. It's very strange. I'm already finding myself looking forward to Tasha so that we can just be done Definitely. with whatever the fuck we're being forced to watch here. It all seems like lies to me. And now I have this rumor in my head that maybe there was a, another night one that shot out there. So in addition to extra Huju tapes, baloney eye shows, <laughs> now we got a fucking phantom night one. I would argue that's giving you something to live for. This season is um, it's a rough one to watch so far. Yeah. And I think it, I don't know if it is because it's spoiled for us. I know. Or if it's because what I'm seeing on the screen is not great. I just don't feel like any of these people truly care about this in any way. Even Dale Moss, I think, is like, I'm just going to say it. I think he's a high level player of this game and he doesn't give a fuck oh, about yeah. Claire. Oh. Thank you. I think he's Ooh. doing it for the gram, and I think he's gonna. It's gonna pay off for him. I think. I think he is one of the highest level players we've ever seen. I don't necessarily know that it means he's not into Claire. I think they have a very strong parallel PTC of losing a parent mm-hmm. that could create real emotions. Dale Moss is not coming on this show to walk away with a wife. He is coming on this show to walk away with a contract at ABC to host fucking Good Morning America or some shit. I mean, give it to him. I agree. He's but he an doesn't inspiration. want to be married. He doesn't. I don't think he came into this show looking to get married. Based on what? His Instagram. The same thing we used to base his victory on. Hmm. We'll, well see. We'll Time see. will tell. That was episode two. I'm left with a very kind of shitty feeling after watching this one. It's made even shittier for me based on the fact that it doesn't look like she's going to blow up The Bachelorette next week. It looks like we might have two more weeks. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the rise of Blake Moynes. I've said it once and I will say it again. This man is your next Bachelor. I think we shall see. There's still... Two seasons left before that decision happens. That does it for week one. We hope you guys will join us this Friday for another episode where we are going to be bringing you our Game of Roses State of the World, our Bachelor Nation News, our Parasocial Play of the Week, and a very special Screams from the Pit. Shoya from Relationship Hero will be joining us once more to help us dissect our horrible fascination with this game and how it's destroying our lives. Our quote-unquote problems. Shoya is, of course, a relationship coach from Relationship Hero, who is sponsoring Screams from the Pit all through this season of Bachelorette. Relationship Hero is an online service where you can go to get help with your relationships, whether you're casually dating, looking for a soulmate, newly engaged, maybe you've been married for decades. Relationship Hero is here to help support you to make mm. any of your relationships better. Maybe you want to sort out your demons. <laughs> Relationship Hero can help you. That is relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R. If you go to that link, it's going to give you $50 off your first hour coaching session. That is relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R for Game of Roses. Check that out. And of course, thank you guys for sending us in our tidbits, as always. Each one of them gets printed out, and I put it on a wall with a <laughs> thumbtack with string going in between it uh, so that I can make sense of it all. 
That's not true, but... Gore HQ looks fucking psycho. I do read the things that are sent to me, and I do, in some cases, start to look for truth behind them. <laughs> like the rumor that I now have. <laughs> there was an alternate night one. I think, you know, the conspiracy tidbits fuel clues the most, so Indeed. keep sending. And thank you for everybody who's joined us at the bottom of the pit on our Patreon. Our pit dwellers are growing, and we are down there in the bottom of the pit finding nuggets at all times. One was released last night at 3.33 a.m. If you want to know what it is, join us in the pit. That's patreon.com slash game of roses. And finally, just a minor update on our quest to become guests on the Clickbait Podcast. We cannot thank you all enough for leaving comments on their Instagram page and in their iTunes podcast reviews. But we have another request. Please don't leave them shitty reviews and one-star ratings. We're in no way asking for that to be done. If anything, leave them five-star ratings and ask to have us on their podcast. I think that will not only help their cause, it will help ours. I think they're far more likely to take this request seriously if they know that people who want us on their podcast also like their podcast. But once again, thank you guys for helping us try to get on that podcast. It is still our goal, and we will achieve it. And before we go, of course, we must ask the question, what is the DWAB at? It has been 6,785 days without a black bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, Unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.